Hello, hello. Joey here. Welcome back to Droolish. Let's get to it. Welcome back to Droolish. I'm your host, Joey Montano. If you're new to Droolish, Droolish is a sleep and relaxation podcast focusing on helping you fall asleep, relax, and get your mind off your day. And bonus points. I see like I'm thinking I'm getting pretty good at these sports picks. Just, just calling it as I seize it. Until the numbers say otherwise, the numbers say I'm doing pretty good. So could be a random heater, could not be. I don't know. Uh, but we're rolling with it, so that's cool. Like I said, if you are newer, uh, you probably can catch the previous uh, last season's episode of the NFL episodes, I guess. Um, but generally, I like to talk about a different variety of subjects. Uh, right now, you kind of caught me in a uh, football mood. Uh, that's kind of what picked up steam in the podcast last year. And honestly, I just love football so much. I want to talk about it. Um Fortunately, or unfortunately for you, this is a sleep and relaxation podcast, so I'm going to be adding uh, background noise, white noise, to calm the mind and soul, I guess, uh, so to speak. Uh, I do that because, one, my voice tends to, I don't know, the way I talk tends to put people to sleep, but at the same time, I like to bring value. And for those who followed me, uh, especially throughout the NFL playoffs and throughout the Super Bowl, and very especially since last week, You've probably seen your wallets inflate with money if you've actually made these bets. So, uh, you know, I'm not trying to brag. These are literally just picks that I have been tracking since last year. What started out as me doing standard football picks turned into me getting more active in sports betting, uh, using uh, more sports modeling software. And I came to the realization that you really can't model NFL games. There's too much going on in any given Sunday. And I love watching football, and I told myself, I think I might have a knack for picking teams, so I just figured, why not just make my picks, uh, go on a couple of sports betting sites, and keep them in a spreadsheet. So, uh, you know, if I joke about me doing really well, it's more of just in jest. I know nothing lasts forever, and it could, like, seriously be a heater, um, but last year I won 70% of my spreads, and that's the one that I feel like touting because, I don't know, I just, I really think... Uh, if you pay attention to the teams, you can tell who's going to overperform and underperform. And if you mix that with kind of what the people think, I guess they call it the, uh, uh, I guess the public, uh, or maybe squares or something like that too, if you're in the gambling world, uh, you want to spend your time almost kind of going against what the public knowledge thinks if you have better insights. So, and the best we can do is just trust our instincts. After doing our research, I do my best to not look at any other picks i have not done that uh this season i try to avoid that i've been doing all my own research and uh, listening to a lot of sports uh chatter mainly uh strong opinion sports so as zach Schalmer, he's really smart dude he knows teams he's he likes the way he talks about teams is the way i like to talk about teams um i focus more on kind of team momentum and how like the coach and quarterback has more value but at the same time uh how the team is able to I guess, elevate themselves as a whole in one collective. And I try to gauge that against other teams week by week. So uh, it's a lot different style. Uh, I try to use numbers as well, uh, especially when it comes to looking at trends and how scores are played out and how teams have played out. So it's, like I said, I have my own methodology. Uh, 
and it seems to be working after week one. So let me get my gloating out of the way. We're gonna start first. We're gonna talk about last week's results, and then we're gonna talk about this week's results, and we're gonna continue uh, with that. So uh, we're gonna be talking about uh, last week's results, like I just said, and another thing I forgot to mention is the survival football league. So we're gonna talk about that as well, and then we're gonna talk about my picks for week two NFL. I'll try to put a time step on this. Uh, I shouldn't even be recording right now. Uh, I mean, I should. I I blocked it, but uh, I've been super busy with. IRL stuff, and uh, I really wanted to make this because one, like I said, I enjoy talking about it, and two, uh, you know, if you guys follow and you guys want to make your own bets, I, you know, I don't want to encourage or discourage it, but just kind of see where the results lie, and then if you feel like a pick that I have like goes with your instinct or whatever as well, ride with it. Um, if not, like I said, it's your it's your own life. You have your own free will. Uh, hopefully, I'm just gonna I'm gonna do my best to come from a place of I don't want to say objectivity because I can only watch so many teams in the NFL. So I'm just going to come from a place of me just talking <laughs> from what I think and what I believe. So let's get to it. So starting with last week, we are going to talk about spreads. I don't think it's going to go too long. <coughs> Excuse me, or too fast. Or I should say it's not going to take too long. We made we made five picks last year, or sorry, last week in week one. And we ended up going 4-0-1. And, and if you paid attention to the Twitter account, which is at, uh, at Drewish Podcast, I made a last-minute sixth pick. Um, all the picks that I generally do when I record, I already made my bets, so they're locked in. And I try to do it right before I do the podcast. So if you listen to the podcast right now, it's only going to be about between like 3 to 12 hours before uh, you know since I made my picks. So good luck <laughs> with that. Uh, seriously, like I don't mean to sound like I'm chastising you. Uh, sometimes the lines move. So I ended up going four zero one one and five zero one one my last minute pick. So first pick I picked Seattle is minus two, and I gave this a five star rating. That's something I added this year. It's more of a confidence level. Uh, I told you last year I have no idea why Seattle was minus two. That's like an absolute worst case scenario against a very very sad Atlanta team. I don't know what people are thinking about either Seattle being weak or Atlanta being strong. I've not seen anything from Atlanta since they lost from that Super Bowl. Like, they just don't have the ability to win. Like, they just completely recognize they can't win. And until I see otherwise, I will never bet uh, against Atlanta versus any strong team. Like, I can't. And a team as strong as Seattle would just, just seem ludicrous to have them at minus two. So I actually placed a pretty big bet on that one, and that paid off. Uh, five star, of course, win, one and zero. The next one was you can go both ways in this one. I picked Chiefs plus fifty four, and that's not a misspeak. Uh, I think my bookie was running a promotion where they gave Chiefs a fifty four point advantage. Um, the standard line was I think minus nine or minus ten, regardless of what you picked. I suggested to the minus nine or whatever is probably viable, but I'm sticking with my my personal picks, and I made this bet because it's free money, and I'd be foolish not to. Um, plus 54, that was a 5-star rating. That was probably the lock of a lifetime. Uh, and it was. We won that. Went 2-0. This next one I mentioned was Patriots minus 6. And that one I was certainly a little bit nervous about because of Cam Newton's debut. And I really trusted Bill Belichick and Cam's synergy more than anything else. And I pretty much was alluding to Cam's, Cam's ability to kind of get past the minus 6 point portion. 
Uh, this was a four star rating, and right now I don't have anything to correlate my star ratings with win or losses. This is just what I feel. So I picked Patriots minus six, and I believe they ended up winning. Um, looking right here on the side, I've, up, I've updated my setup too, so I can see all the scores up on screen, and then I can talk about it in another. But the Patriots did win. Uh, let's see. Yeah, 20, yeah, 11 and 21, and I, they kind of ran with it in the fourth quarter, and they were very stout defensively. So I was very impressed with the uh, Patriots' defense. I'm probably going to talk more about the analysis of each team when I pick it, if and when I pick them again. Um, so, yeah, just kind of just kind of keep that in mind if my analysis doesn't seem too deep um, at the moment. Uh, then I had a four-star pick with Arizona plus seven. Uh, I chose that because I had a really huge hunch, and I'm a big buyer in Arizona. If you listen to me a year ago, I was completely sold against Arizona. I was sold against Kyler Murray. Um, but for that whole year, they continued to impress me. They proved me wrong first few weeks, and I've been a fan of Kyler ever since, and I've been a huge advocate towards the Cardinals. I love Larry Fitzgerald. I love the offense, and I love how the team's been, uh, been flowing towards the end of the season. Uh, and luckily, in the offseason, they, they, they upgraded a lot of their pieces, and they continued their flow against the 49ers. And I told you guys Arizona matches well against the 49ers. The games that you saw last year, they were a lot closer than what you'd think. Arizona was probably one or two plays off to actually almost winning or tearing the tide on those games. And this year, they capitalized. They made fewer mistakes. Kyler Murray, Kyler Murray was dynamic. DeAndre Hopkins was a huge upgrade. And I didn't see, I just didn't see how San Francisco upgraded in the offseason. So in my head, they both were equals. Um, I, in the heart of hearts, I probably thought San Francisco was going to edge this one out, but I was like 50-50 in the chance that Cardinals would win. And logically speaking, if the spread's plus seven, and I think the Cardinals would actually just be like within one point or actually win the game, it seemed like a strong pick. Um, but again, going after the offseason, didn't know what to, what, what to expect. Still, it was a four-star rating pick, plus seven. We nailed that. So we started out with a strong 4-0, four wins in a row, guys. And then... We almost had the perfect with the Bengals. I picked Bengals at plus three, and I, if I went plus three and a half, I probably would have had the same odds, um, and that would have technically counted as a win. Um, in my head, I envisioned the game as the Bengals keeping the game close, and I actually thought they were they should have been a favorite to win, because uh, I just I don't know I I believe the Chargers aren't really working off too much, and they're to me they're a sad team. Uh, I don't want to sound chastising the Chargers, but um, taking a sad Chargers team versus a very hungry Bengals team um, that's still trying to figure themselves out. Uh, I felt like that was an even matchup, and uh, Bengals uh, had the chance to tie the game and even almost win the game. Apparently, uh, I guess they kicked the field goal on third down with like seven seconds left when they could have had time to run one more play. That's actually a big miss on play calling at the end. Uh, Joe Burrow, uh, he seemed to be pretty in the zone. What I've seen, um, what I've heard as well. So I mainly gave the Bengals the plus three, uh, trusting Joe Burrow, and he did what he needed to do to put them in a tying position. Unfortunately, in the NFL, you know, bad because like, the shenanigans happens. So luckily, I included shenanigans in this pick. Um, generally, shenanigans is anything that can go wrong, will go wrong, and it often happens towards the end of games uh, because that's the most magnifying point part you can see it. So. I'm not too upset about that one. I'm just you know, kind of sad. Uh, that was also a three-star pick. So 
again, I felt very spicy with that one. I wasn't confident, but I, you know, I, I, I was more of a believer in the Bengals and, and what they had to bring compared to San Diego. So, um, I said, no, not a bad pick whatsoever. Um, if I actually did the plus three and a half line, I, I probably would have, that would have been a win. Would have been six and zero for the week. And the last minute pick. It was Monday Night Football, and I wasn't planning on making a pick, but my neighbor did mention uh, Monday Night Football, and he's texted me. So I figured, why not just do some research, do a little bit more research, and honestly, I kind of just played the game out in my head with the Steelers and Giants, and I just I just couldn't be bought into the Giants, and with Big Ben starting, and honestly, it was the big, the big X factor was Golden Tate. Apparently, he was uh, inactive about two hours before the game. And to me, when I saw the plus six, I, I, I would put Golden Tate worth like three or four points, like just his, his value. And the plus six made me nervous when I found out he was out. I figured that this pick was actually pretty strong. So I gave that a four-star rating. Um, Steelers minus six, and of course they won 26-16. Uh, didn't look like that way early, but I really did trust Big Ben and the coaching long term. And I don't trust the Giants. Uh, with a new coach, it was actually they had some pretty smash mouth plays early on, but uh, Steelers just wore them down. Uh, so actually, the Giants kind of went up in my book, uh, kind of team-wise. Still, Steelers are a little bit too much. Uh, Giants aren't there yet; they're still starting the season. So I'm not going to knock on them. So five zero and one the first week. I can't believe it. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm honestly hoping to win each one, and I've been very selective with a lot of a lot of these picks. Uh, like I said last year, I won 70% of uh, spreads uh, with my, you know, using me, my, my knowledge, and just, use, you know, my due diligence, I guess. Um, and this week we started out 5-0-1, so technically that is 100% like win percentage. I count ties as almost nothing, um, so it's effectively 100% win. And if you bet last week, you, like, you bet 100 each game, you, you came back with like 600-something dollars, 500-something. So... You know, if that, if that was you, congrats. Send me an email. Like, you've earned it. And I'm not going to go out of my way to promote this podcast. It's, I've talked about this a lot of times. If you're going to find me, you're going to find me. If you're looking for something, and hopefully I can be that person who finds your solution. You, you're more than welcome to chat about the podcast. You know, give dabs or talks for the word. I'm open. I, I love that. I love the word of mouth stuff. Um, it's just, you know, my day-to-day stuff, I do a lot of marketing consulting, and I, the last thing I want to do is just do that for the stuff that I enjoy. Um, so, and I, also, I just want to talk about things that interest me, and I don't want to feel like I'm obligated to do XYZ for anyone. And this is why I like these uh, episodes, because I'm very excited, and I want to talk through this as much as I can, um, while I still have, like, any pockets of recording time that exist. Um, on the other end of the spectrum... I'm a very, very sad panda with a lot of these over-unders. So sad, but even more so, because it's actually... I don't think I'm going to be doing over-unders anymore. I'm just not good at them. Um, I mean, I could just do the opposite of what I'm thinking. Maybe you guys could do the opposite, but I don't want to lose money at anyone's expense. So, I went 1-3 and um, with that, and then I took two unofficial bets with my neighbor. Um, I'll talk over the ones I officially made. And one was the Pats versus Dolphins over 43. Uh, again, I expected Cam Newton to be more dynamic, but what I didn't expect was the Pats defense to be that strong. And I kind of expected the score to be kind of along the lines of maybe like 24 Patriots 
and like 20 dolphins along those lines. I, don't, I thought dolphins would overperform and Pats would just kind of perform as per usual. Uh, turns out Patriots overperformed uh, defensively and the dolphins just were the dolphins. So the game was fairly close, let's be honest, but uh, Patriots just have their own style. They just kind of grind you down. They have strong defense, at least this year and last year. And I have to take the off. That was a that was a big swing and a miss. That was way off base there. I was not expecting a low scoring game. Uh, for the Cardinals and 49ers, this one was a close loss because I picked the over at 47 and a half. I don't know why I love my overs. I think it just makes the game more interesting throughout. But uh, this one was a close game. Uh, they scored 20 or 44 points. And really, if the 49ers did come back, I would have technically won the bet, the over-under, but I would have lost my underdog pick. So I'm actually happy for this loss, even though it was close. Um, I probably like I'm not going to be taking the over. I just expected more explosiveness from uh, the 49ers. And honestly, the Cardinals, again, they are a very tenacious team. Uh, whenever 49ers score, Cardinals always come right back. So I just, I, like I said, I felt like if that was going to be a high pace scoring game on the 49ers end, but it was, the Cardinals were just going to need them or, st or step up just a little bit more. Um, it's just more of the 49ers didn't do the output that I was expecting. So, uh, you know, I kind of expected either a 27-24 game for Cardinals and 49ers or even 20, like 23 to like 28 with the uh, 49ers winning, like out of all the scenarios that played out. But can't win that one. And then I squeaked out the Jets and Bills. Uh, that one was a win with the over 40. And the final score was uh, Bills 27. And really, the Jets were pretty much dominated all game. They only scored like 10 points, and they scored a garbage time touchdown. Now, I did include that as part of the shenanigans to get the over 40. Uh, what I didn't expect was that... I mean, this is honestly like the best worst-case scenario that happened. And that doesn't make me happy. I like to have picks that are relatively easy, that are big gaps, and if I'm off by that much in, all, in my analysis for over-under, I can't trust I can't trust it. Um, I know it's week one, but there is there is just too much going on, and it seemed like all the picks that I would have gone like under on or didn't bother, they all the teams would have gone over, but for the most part. So uh, my instinct in this one is really off, and I'm saving myself money. I'm saving you money. I'm done. Um, the other two games I picked were uh, like from my neighbor. I just figured out screw it. Um, Cowboys at Rams over 51 and a half. That wasn't even close. And the other one was Titans and Denver. Um, I mean, three missed field goals. That sucks. But like, they be they barely scored 30 points in total. So I was way off base. This is like I said, this is a very sad week for over unders. Luckily, I don't tout the over unders. This is just things that I wanted to bet. Um, and that's why I don't have star ratings on them because I don't have confidence in. It. So. There's going to be no overrider picks until unless if there's something that I really see or I'm going to be really more, I'm going to be incredibly selective. Um, which is stuff that I wanted to do last year, transitioning to underdog picks. I told you guys about underdog picks last week and I talk about it a lot. Uh, I have a theory and I believe in this a lot is that Vegas's money line picks are often just wrong. And I love picking underdogs because the lines that people assume for like plus 200 or whatever, 150, uh, they don't look at the implied odds, which just means like the percent chance that they're going to win at the end of the day for you to be profitable. And uh, last year, 
I started out pretty slow and then I ended up hot. I ended up almost, I ended up being like one unit above. And a unit is a denomination of money that you set for yourself for each particular bet. So I pretty much got the same amount in all of my underdog picks. And in theory, I when the season's done, if I have like plus 10 units and I bet $50 each, congrats, I won $500. So it's just a simple way to track how well you're progressing throughout the season. Even if you aren't betting, you're just tracking. I always um, keep track of net units. So I picked the Tampa Bay Bucks at plus 160. Tom Brady fell flat. I'm not going to dive too much into that. He lost that one. Started out 0-1-1. And then I picked the Arizona Cardinals to win, plus 265. I I love the Cardinals. I believe in them. And at plus 265, they have the implied odds for just like they'd have to win one out of four times. I told you they were probably winning 50% of the time. It's just a it's a crazy bet to not take. They won as well, so that was very fruitful. The Bengals, I was bought on the Bengals as well. I thought they actually should not have been plus 160. They, they should actually been a, would have been break-even with the Chargers, and they were most of the game. Uh, I don't think that's a terrible pick, but I ended up losing it. So I'm 1-2. and two. The cool thing about this is that I don't have to win all my games to be profitable. Case in point, I also picked the New York Jets to win, and honestly, that was just a terrible bet. I really was hoping for the Jets to, Sam Darnold to just come out strong. Uh, did not happen, and I also kind of just didn't believe too much in the Bills. So, uh, you know, that was more or less the case. And about the 250, it was just a slight, uh, you know, it was off the Vegas Lions. Uh, it turns out they were really right. So even even starting with one and three with those first four picks, I would only be down 0.35 units. So that's the beauty of betting underdogs. And this is where the magic happens. Because I told you last week I was big, not just on the Cardinals, but on the Jags. I love Minshew. I still love Minshew. He is amazing. He is a superstar in the making. He may not be the most explosive guy, but he is probably one of the, the smartest dudes in the league. He's got top-tier decision-making, and he never gives up on plays. He has the ability to level up the people around him, uh, and it's you know that's that's a strong trait in leadership. And if you're able to do that, that that is you're 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 effectively able to turn a bunch of players who might be they're all young who might be like B- minus or B-level players generally into performing them to an A-level. And when you're doing that and you're bought into everything, you know, these young players are going to continue to develop. And they're going to get better, like significantly better with Minshew under the helm. And that makes the Jaguars a very dangerous team. And against the Colts, I actually, I honestly thought that was a break-even matchup. Like, I just, like... I don't know, I just don't see the Colts as just a super strong team. Like, I feel like they're kind of a middle-of-the-road, slightly above average. And I think the Jags, uh, despite the talk about tanking, like, they played a lot, like well above where they're supposed to, and and I think that's going to be their new norm. So I think, you know, on paper, heading in, I thought the Jags were probably, like I said, a B-minus team that had the ability to play, like, an A-level, but, like, their baseline was B. And I feel like the Colts are probably, like, at a B-plus maybe almost a minus level team that's a b plus and they play down to like a c and any given sunday and if you're within those ranges of where they can play that better low you know, above and below uh you have a chance a real chance and i felt like jaguars were very dialed in and i don't think that's going to go away honestly so um that's a little bit of a, of a hint for next week or this week underdogs but winning the Jags pick um, was plus 335, so that's 3.35 units. So after five games, you're going two or three, I'm up three units. 
And then the last game, I picked the Washington football team because really I'm not bought into Carson Wentz all the way in the division game. Plus, I was kind of bought into Dwight Haskins a little bit too. And I wanted to see how that goes. I figured that would have been like a uh, kind of like a 40% chance they won. And the implied odds for that game are about like 30, 30%-ish. So um, I figured that's just the line Vegas messed up on. And I like Washington. And long term, they play, like, played 100 times. It's pretty much the percentage of a chance of winning, more or less. And they ended up pulling through, and they actually made Wentz and the Eagles, like, really frail in the second half. So um, my stock in Washington went up in the Washington football team. So uh, that's really cool. So after the first week, I am up. I went 3-3. Three and three. Uh, And again, on paper, 500 record ain't that hot. But when you're picking underdogs, this led to a 5.3 plus net unit week. This is one of the strongest weeks ever I've played on the NFL. In bets and spreads. So um, the next closest was the was the prop bets for the uh, Super Bowl. So this was a stellar week. On top of that, uh, we made two survival football picks for week one. I have a I have a twenty five dollar pool and a free pool. I picked the Patriots to win. They did win, uh, and Steelers to win, and they won. I wanted to stick with teams that. Uh, are known to be strong and they have strong coaching and they're very they're not susceptible to losing week one uh, that i feel like those are the safest picks uh, last year i told you about the lions i bought into everything and they were bought into everything for the first th- three quarters and then they lost turns out lions decided to do the same exact thing this year which is why i didn't pick them um and what can i say sometimes you know your team uh, as much as i hate to say it it makes me sad so, with that being said, we did go through a lot, and it's been like 25 minutes, 20 minutes, and this other half, so like at the 26 minute mark, I'll try to do a timestamp, if not, um, I'm sorry, it's just, I, I just, I'm so busy right now, so, um, so now let's turn into this week two, let's talk about week two right now. So, week two of the NFL, we're going to go over spreads. We're not doing over-unders, due to me being terrible. Underdog picks, and then my survival picks. Uh, I'm going to talk about these teams that I'd like to pay attention to, and I'm only picking teams here where I feel like they have a huge advantage here for spreads, and almost in all cases. There are a lot of underdog picks I can just generally take um, that are like plus 200 or plus 300 and just, you know, YOLO it. But I tried being more... uh, I wasn't as selective last year than I am this year. And that's what kind of got me into an early hold. So this year I've decided to be way more selective. And it turns out, I, I mean, this is me. This is my, my personal belief. I feel like people are being really reactionary and they still haven't, like, dialed in on what's changing in the NFL landscape. And it's shown in week one, 5-0-1. I, like I said, it could be luck. I don't know. Um, but uh, I just feel like... There's just a lot, there's perceptions way off in what's really happening here. So, let's go in order here. So, the first pick for week two, this is a five-star rating. Uh, I don't know why, but this is five-star. This is actually almost four-star. But I'm giving it a five-star because I, I really do trust this one. It's uh, it's the Panthers over, I believe, oh, sorry, Panthers plus nine and a half. I'm going to pull this up here against the Bucks. Reason being is that Carolina has did manage to score in kind of like trash time 
uh, last week. But the plus 9.5 against the Tampa Bay Bucks that really were just outclassed by New Orleans. Uh, I kind of see Panthers and and the Bucks. I almost said Patriots because of Tom Brady. Almost in the same league. Almost like, like in the same tier. I'd say like... Uh, I'd say Panthers are probably in the mid... Mid-lower-ish tier while the Buccaneers were playing like they were in the mid-ish tier. So they're within like this. They're within striking distance of each other, and I just cannot foresee the Bucks scoring like more than 30 points for one. And if they do, I can't imagine the Panthers not scoring at least like 24. So like in my head, like there's so many scenarios to play out. Like I just feel, I fear this is either going to be like a relatively high-scoring game, um, but the Panthers will always be in it, and I just can't see them losing by more than seven. I actually think they could potentially win the odds are right and like I said I just feel very hard pressed with plus 9.5 um, I love my I love picking the the underdog uh, spreads because I feel like those are going to be the ones that are going to overperform and a lot of people are buying too much into the box right now a lot of people are bought into the box being way stronger and I think Panthers people are putting them into being much weaker um, I think the line here should probably be like plus seven and a half um, plus eight didn't get it still plus eight like I I feel good about that but like I I just the plus nine and a half just doesn't make too much sense like that seems ludicrous again I could be wrong but either matchup wise just talent wise like I just think they're fairly even um, across the board and I feel like Panthers might actually be more instinct than the Bucks and uh, you know there's a stat that Tom Brady kills it in week two in which he lost losing week one and that's great that's very possible but still, I just haven't, I just can't imagine Tampa's style to be, like, routing the Panthers. I just, I just can't. So, I'm very strong confidence in that one. I'll give it a five-star rating. The next team I have, uh, this is the 49ers, minus seven. Uh, they came out fairly flat against the Cardinals. Um, however, I don't want to say fairly flat, it's just Cardinals were that strong. Um, however, I still think 49ers are on a, on a lower top tier. Uh, when it comes to their abilities, and they are facing, just so you guys know, I'm going to pull this up, I made all my research and then I just made the bets and now I'm just kind of speaking back to it, to it. Um, yeah, they're facing the Jets, uh, plus, minus 7 against the Jets, I think Buffalo was like, what, minus 5.5 against the Jets or something like that, I, I just, I'm, I'm sorry, I just can't see the Jets scoring more than 7 points, I hope Garoppolo scores more than 14 for the team. That's the only caveat. I do believe in Garoppolo. Um, I don't think he's as great as what people think, but I think he's actually he can be a solid quarterback when push comes to shove. Uh, he, yeah, hopefully he keeps developing, but hey, I'm not, you know, he's, he's in a good spot right now, in my opinion. And San Francisco's looking to bounce back. They're probably going to make a lot of statement win, and I know that sounds corny, but when you're facing a team that is kind of down and almost out, like just coming after week one, like San Francisco has to look for blood. They want to compete in the minus seven. I just, I just don't think that like the minus nine and a half <laughs> would be more appropriate than what's minus ten. Um, so I think that's a pretty strong pick, even though it's a four star. Um, like I said, I'm a little bit hesitant to give a five star, but again, all these picks, these are hand selected picks. These are just confidence behind them. I still made them, but this is just for context for you. So this is a four-star pick for the 49ers minus seven. 
And plus, I just think they're going to make the correct adjustments. And I don't trust the coaching for the Jets. I think everyone kind of hates uh, Adam Gase, and I just don't think anything's going to change. So Jets will probably get a couple wins, but not against the 49ers. And if they do, uh, color me surprised. Next pick, I have the, believe it or not, Jacksonville Jaguars at plus nine. Now, last week, I'm surprised that I did not actually pick the spread on the Jaguars, despite the fact that I told you that they were my underdog pick. Um, and that's totally fine. Uh, I like to talk about different scenarios, and I think last week I mentioned Jaguars were either going to win the game or they're going to get beat, like, strongly, and there's no in-between. And that's what happened. So this week, I'm more bought into the Jaguars being more consistent. So the plus nine against, I forget who, uh, is it the Titans? Yeah, it's the Titans. I am flabbergasted um, by this one. I don't get it. I literally don't get it. These are division rivals, and all things equal, I don't think. Like, Tennessee did not come out strong last week. They only scored, what, 17 points in this field, field goals. And I think Jacksonville is very dialed in. I do not see them being a plus nine. Even if Jacksonville was a plus three, and I have this as a four star, I almost want to make this a five star, but again, I'm, the bets are still pretty much the same. I just don't see it. I just don't see how it's a plus nine. This should be a plus three matchup. Uh, and that's me giving Tennessee the benefit of the doubt. Uh, and I, if I were bought into Jacksonville, I'd say this is, you know, might even be like a like fully bought in and might be like a plus one and a half. Maybe plus, you know, plus three and a half, plus two and a half. But at plus nine, I, that's ludicrous. Like, that's a full touchdown, guys. Um, so, <laughs> I don't get it. Um, I think I, I told you what I think about Jacksonville. Uh, Minshew seems to be a natural leader. He's been elevating his team. And I think... The Jaguars are only going to get better, especially when they're facing middle tier, middle tier teams. And Minshew literally takes, if you listen to his interviews, I've been listening to a lot of them, um, kind of in the background, and him and his team, everyone is insanely dialed in. And Minshew has leveled up in the offseason, and it's very sad that no one has really caught wind of that. He was, he was pretty good last year, and even though he was kind of more of a meme, it's time a lot of people need to take him seriously. Um, not that they should immediately because these lines are ludicrous and I'm, I'd rather make some money. Um, you know, with these, with, uh, with kind of like the misjudgment of the public, I guess. But I just, that plus nine line, I don't get it. So I'm taking that. that that's certainly strong one. Um, this one, this next one, I have, I have two more picks. Um, this one's a three-star rating, and this is, like I said, fairly confident enough for me to make a bet, but this is just for your your insights, your information. Um, this is going to be the Buffalo Bills at minus five and a half. This honestly might be my bias against the Bills. Like, I keep thinking they're going to let me down, and they actually have not, and that's actually a testament to coaching and just overall team play. And they've been very consistent, despite the fact that I've been wanting them to fail, only <laughs> because, I don't know, I, I get like a Lions vibe for him, but that could be wrong. Um, but I feel like every time I would want to bet either for the Bills, they let me down. When I bet against them, they let me down. Uh, so I'm diving into this one, and I'm bought into the Bills. Uh, the matchup is the Bills and Dolphins, and the Bills are minus 5.5. 
the Dolphins, how I'm imagining, it's like, you know, the Buffalo Bills defense is swarming. Like, this is insane. And Allen's ability to be more productive, especially in the offseason, I think that's going to do them really well. And I just, I can't imagine, unless Tua's going to start, like, I don't, I don't, I mean, it's very possible. I have to give Fitzpatrick the benefit of the doubt. I always have to, but like, but most of the time, I don't see Miami scoring more than 14 points the next week. And I see Buffalo scoring at least like 20 to 21, maybe even more. It might be a repeat performance of last week. And that alone makes me think like, okay, the minus five and a half is, it's a fairly strong pick. Um, but I just, when I think of the shenanigan factor, I think both teams are shenanigany. Um, and less so the Bills, but they, they've been known to be shenanigany as well. If you're unsure what I mean by shenanigany, it just means that once in a while you'll get a random play that should should not have happened, or they'll make some bonehead move. In the case of the point, you go and watch the Lions shenanigannyness. I mean, there's like there's like three instances I can name off of it that was like like one the guy was trying to do his best impression of like a head like a headshot or something like that, like bowing his head, like leading with the head, and he hits the rough and he got ejected. Shenanigans. Another shenanigan example, like calling in the fourth quarter despite being up, like they decided to run twice and then telegraph a pass, third out at Stafford throws an interception. Cool. Shenanigan number two. Shenanigan number three, Stafford comes back and throws the game-winning touchdown, only for Swift to literally drop the ball despite being it, despite being one of the easiest catches ever. Shenanigan number three. Okay, those are the shenanigans I'm talking about. Uh, Miami and Buffalo are known to have similar types of shenanigans. Um, so I have to take that into account. That's why my rating is three stars, because despite me being confident in the Bills minus five and a half, I think any given Sunday might happen. So if you're betting, I would not bet the higher amounts um, that you probably would make with all the other picks. That's just my two cents. Um, but it's still a strong enough bet because I think Vegas line is way off. So uh, that's my pick for the Bills, minus five and a half. And the last one, this was, I don't want to say this is the last minute, but I thought more about this, and I kind of gave it a five-star pick, and this is the Chiefs. I thought the Chiefs were going to kind of start out flat against Houston, and Houston was a very strong team, and they actually were a minus ten favorite. Um, this week, they're coming They're coming in facing, let me pull this up, they're facing the Chargers, and I told you earlier, the Chargers are just a sad team. Like, I just don't get it. I don't get them. They're an average team. I think they're worse than Houston. And I think the Chiefs actually just played better, period. Like, I, I just don't. It's an afternoon game. I don't. I just, in my heart of hearts, the Chiefs should act Houston. I do not see the Chargers being remotely close. Uh, I thought this line would be like minus 12, but it's minus 8.5. And, and if it's anything like last week, I. If it's even half of anything last week, then I think that eight and a minus eight and a half is a strong pick. I just don't, I, again, I don't know what Vegas is thinking. This line probably should be a lot higher. Uh, what I do is I look at the matchup and I kind of set a number in my head. And if it's within the range of where the line's at, I generally don't. I generally don't make the bet. And if it's way out of the range by like a, by a couple points at a bare minimum, I take the bet. Uh, it's because I don't, I, I it just, that's the, that's what makes sense to me if, if I'm doing the research. So, again, I'm fortunate that I started out 5-0-1, and, 
I still have to clear my bonuses for her, my uh, my sports my sports books, so that's also why I'm making these I'm making more picks. But I spent a lot of time and I'm making a lot of these selections based off of how I'm seeing it last week, how the teams generally play, and how they're planning on progressing. So those are my picks: the Panthers plus nine and a half, 49ers minus seven, Jaguars plus nine, Bills minus five and a half, and Chiefs minus eight point five. Still can't believe the, I still can't believe half these picks are that insane, but. Um, I haven't found any close games. I don't trust the close games against teams that kind of were kind of came flat week two. Um, I mean, I can make more bets, but I rather just stick with quality than quantity in this case. Um, so well, there you have it. Uh, we're not talking about over unders this week because I suck at them. So I'm going to save you guys money and I'm going to save me money. Now we're going to talk about underdogs and moneyline underdog picks. I alluded to this. I'm talking about it for week one, um, but week two, we have six additional underdog picks. And out of the whole, I guess, what, 16 matchups, these are all six of them, six underdogs that I'm picking, and I do like a lot of these teams. So we'll see if I get burned or not in the future. But, uh, but let's get started because the first pick is actually going to be related to tonight. And that is going to be the Cincinnati Bengals versus the Cleveland Browns. Now, I'm a very numbers-oriented guy, and most of my picks are in, in underdog, I call Moneyline Underdogs. I I try to just bring practicality to it. So for example, Bengals are plus 210 and I'm picking them as an underdog. Which means the implied odds are 32%. And I don't want you guys to think this is a 32% chance that they'll win the game. I like you, I would like you guys to think like if they were to, if they were to face off 100 times how many times do you think the Bengals will actually win against the Browns on a Thursday night game in which the Cleveland Browns got shellacked by the Ravens that, that they're a very swingy team that they might show up to be their best potential or worst potential versus a semi-strong like, like, like team that's coming together in the Bengals that had a better showing than the team that they are an underdog against. And it's a division game. And I think if they face off each other, I think the Bengals win at least 42 to 45 percent of the time. Uh, and I think the Browns just might edge this one out, but like with the odds of being plus 210, you can pay over two to one based on like I said, the implied odds being 32 percent. And I think that they actually went 42 to like 45 percent. This is a huge miss in Vegas's line. And again, I'm I'm playing for long-term value. That's why I like to make more of these picks. Um, you got to find the long-term value. So you got to take out the week-by-week -week analysis. Like I talk about the week-by-week, -week, but if you put it in the framework of them doing it a hundred times, it makes everything feel. It makes everything less emotional. Uh, plus, you can actually watch the games with like a, you know, with a cool, with a keen sense of what's going on. So that's why I'm picking the Bengals at plus two ten. Um, I do think the Browns will probably win, but I don't. <laughs> I think it's. I think, like I said, 100, out of 100 times, they probably win about they win about 55%, and that's a big mis, mis, mistake in Vegas's line. So I'm trying to find these, uh, you know, these I don't want to say exploits, but just these these misalignments. The next team I'm picking, and I talked about this before too, was the Carolina Panthers, uh, and they're plus 325, which means they have to win at least 23% of the time against the Bucks. And if you come and tell me that the Buc the Tom Brady Buccaneers were off sync, they got let's see, they got rallied by the Saints 
and the Panthers are kind of almost in the same boat with like talent-wise and like their ability to play if they can show up any given week. I'd say the Panthers would be would win between like 35 to like 40% of the time in this case. And with being plus 325 and the fight odds are almost like like more than one in four, almost one in five times that they win compared to like one in three. Uh, that's huge. That's like a 60% difference in like, you know, in perception versus reality. Or at least perception versus theory, I guess. So I'm making the Panthers plus 325. Again, the... I, I believe that they can possibly win this game. It's just out of 100 times. It, it just doesn't make any sense. The Panthers seem to be... I feel like they're on an uptick despite losing, and the Tampa Bay's... I don't say they're down-ticking, but they down-ticked, and I think they overestimated their abilities, and I think the public has overestimated them. Um, so I think this is a pick that wins long-term enough. That's why I'm taking it. Again, a lot of these games are often followed that same philosophy. Some games I just feel more strongly than others, um, so just kind of keep that in mind. So this next game is the Broncos. I'm picking them at plus 280, and this one is close. This one I do not blame you for not taking if you decide to opt out. Um, this one's going to be the Broncos versus Steelers. And Broncos are plus 280, and the implied odds are 26%. So effectively, one out of four times, um, they need to win to, for this to be break-even and profitable. I do think they win about 33% of the time, like 30 to 33%, so a little bit more-ish or less-ish than one-third. Um, this one feels pretty slim because I do believe in the Broncos' ability to play tough. They always play tough. They, I still believe they are. They could be a playoff caliber team. Um, they just need to get in sync and get their crap together. Um, it's been inconsistent with them, but I think this might be a game of matchups, and I think this is going to be almost a low-scoring, like, rough game, which means at the end of the game, I feel like Broncos will have a shot to to win. Uh, they'll be within, like, one possession. That's my, my head. And if you're within one possession and you're driving to either tie or win, uh, you know, I, it's, it's, I would always say that's effectively a 50-50 shot, like, when, when everyone steps up. And that's how I'm imagining this game, I think. I think if it gets down to the end, I think this is actually going to be a very strong pick, but I shouldn't be thinking like that. So it's rather, like I said, I want to take that step back and be like, you know, the line here is slightly off, um, but I'm taking more of the any given Sunday mantra here because I feel like the Broncos and Steelers kind of bring that to them, bring that to the table more frequently like, like this matchup than any other team that I'm seeing so, uh, for this week. So again, this one's a close pick, but I'm making it um, as a slight uh, deviation from Vegas' line. I think it's a long-term win, um, like profitable play, um, but it's I don't think it's going to be as high ROI compared to a lot of the other picks, but I'm still making it. The next one, I told you guys last week I love this team, and uh, they are still disrespected, and that's the Jacksonville Jaguars. They are facing the Titans. I was expecting about a plus 150, 175 line. Um, I think this team, I think Jags are like 45% chance to win. I might even say 50-50. Um, I think that they're away, so that's the really only reason why out of 100 times they'll be like a 45% low, like, like mid-upper 40s. The fact that they're being dramatically disrespected at a plus 320, which implies less than 24%. Like, 
I think they effectively win one out of two times, but Vegas has given them like one out of four times. So that's a huge miss. And I just think Jaguars are going to win flat out. And if I had a confidence level, like this is like a four or five star confidence, like underdog money pick. So, uh, yeah, the, the disrespect. <laughs> that, um, and Minshew owns that team. Like, he's already bought in, everyone's bought in. It's That team is going to be electric. electric. Um, and I don't see that with Tennessee. Tennessee has a solid base baseline. Um, but I just don't know if they're even going to show up. And if they do show up, I still think Jaguars will match them face-to-face. -face. And again, if they're matching face-to-face, -face, it almost feels like it's a 50-50 matchup. Um, maybe slight, maybe slight, give the slight edge to Tennessee. But that's the best I can. That's the best I can give Tennessee. So this line is way off. Jags plus 320. I love it. I I, I absolutely love it. Um, and then we got two more. I am riding the Washington train. Um, they won against a. They should have been. They should. The Eagles team should be a fairly solid team. Uh, the Washington Washington football team's uh, defense stepped up, and they are plus 245 this week. And they're facing the Cardinals. And I love the Cardinals. And I I have a weird feeling this week. I have a weird feeling that out of 100 games that they play, and with what information I see about what I bought into the Cardinals, I don't know too much about the Washington football team. I'm bought in on Dwight Haskins a little bit. Uh, the defense seems to be pretty stout. And I, Anna, and I, I maybe it's just a matchup thing. But I think Washington actually stacks up pretty well against Arizona, just in my head. Um, so I'm going to give them, like, that benefit of the doubt. Like, I I avoided the spread for this completely because it's... I I don't see them either... I don't see them being either within the spread or they're going to win. I don't see any other in between. So that's why I just don't like the spread pick, but I like the underdog. The underdog pick here is... Plus 245, sorry, and the line is 245, and the implied odds are about 29%. I think if they do this 100 times, and now that there are no crowds, I think Washington football team does win this 35% of the time. So it's a bit more of an edge compared to the Broncos team, despite not uh, not such a higher payout. So, uh, and I, I think the X factor here is the matchup, and I have to take that into consideration. I, I, I just, there's something in my bones that just feels this. Um, and I am using that as a confidence indicator. Um, Vegas line, again, I, a lot of these lines are probably a little bit off, or like, like there's lines that you can exploit, but I think this, this, this particular game it would be a really interesting one to watch. Um, and I think it's either going to be a blowout, Arizona's going to take it, or the Washington football team is actually going to sneak a victory. I, like it. I, I feel like there's no one between. So that, that's why I find that's why I like about this game. Um, it should be an interesting matchup. And then the last one, uh, I'm going not as a super huge underdog here, but I'm t picking the Patriots at plus 175, which is about 36% chance of them winning. And Patriots 175 against the Seahawks. I they're facing they're at the Seahawks at home in an empty stadium, I believe. And the only thing that pops up in my mind is, like, this is an even matchup. This is a game of just talent, coaching, strong defense, and this is a playoff caliber. This is a playoff caliber matchup already out of the gate. And Patriots, I don't think, 
Um, this is not a knock on Tom Brady. It's just, it's just Coach Bill Belichick has more control over his team than Tom does. And I don't think the Patriots are losing a beat. They're probably going to get better throughout the season. And I think they're actually evenly matched with uh, Seattle. Uh, Seattle is like a chameleon-type team where they will play really well against anyone, but at the same time, if you're strong, they will always kind of just be around. Like, you have to earn your wins against Seattle, like, legit earn them. And at the same time, you have to earn your wins against the Patriots. And I see this as going down to the wire, and you're giving me, like, a 50 Like, I feel like this is a game where it's like 45% chance, like a standard matchup, like two strong teams, the whole team probably wins like three to 5% more. Um, so, and Seattle's 45% chance to win. That's how I see it. Sorry, they win, they lose 45% of the time. Um, or out of 100 matchups, they lose 45 of it in my head. And Patriots with a 36% uh, implied rate, like that's, that's what I like about. 36 to 45, it, it's, it's an off number. And this game's way too close to me for me to <clears throat> for me to say no on plus 175. I think the odds are just long-term profitable. And it's going to be a toss-up. And if you give me plus 175 and almost a coin flip every single time, I'm going to keep saying flip the coin. So that's those are my picks, guys. Uh, the Bengals plus 210, Panthers plus 325, Broncos plus 280, Jags plus 320, the Washington football team plus 245, and Patriots plus 175. So wish me good luck. Um, wishing these teams the best of luck as well. No injuries, everything's good and kosher. And the last thing I want to talk about are the survival football picks. So Again, we passed week one in both pools, the $25 pool for 100 k and the free pool for 10 k uh, Week two, I am picking the Ravens over, let's see who, the Texans. And the, the 20, yeah, $25 pool, picking the Ravens over the Texans. And in the free pool, I'm picking the 49ers over... What I have it is the the Jets. Now I could pick the 49ers in both pools. Don't get me wrong, um, but I have two different strategies for this. Um, the $25 pool, I am taking I am taking teams that should be strong relatively early and and finding matchups to where I think they're actually a lot closer. But I think the better team will, will win at the end. The Patriots, um, they were kind of letting Miami hang around and they end up winning. I think Houston's a very strong team. I just think Ravens are running on all cylinders. This game's going to be a lot closer. But I don't want to trust the Patriots and Ravens trying to win games at the end of the season and have them available as teams to pick when they might have different implications. Like if they're, they're near the playoffs or they, they're in desperation mode or they're going to bench players. Like, like I don't want to be in a position to be doing that. So I'm thinking more of the long term for the $25 pool. Uh, and I feel like the Ravens are fairly risky, um, but I want to get these, you know, these hard-nosed teams that might lose it. But coaching, honestly, is probably going to be the big thing that makes them win. Like that's that's kind of the mindset I'm keeping for the $25 pool. Now, like I said, I learned my lesson last year with Detroit, um, and I don't know why I keep trusting, trusting Patricia, um, but I have to. You know, legacy football teams that have dynasties and they win a lot like they 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 do that for a reason um they know what they're doing and the programs are very solid so we have i want to take the i want to take that approach 
Yeah, it's for the free pool. I picked the 49ers, like I said. And honestly, I think this is a gimme. Uh, I'd rather just not think about the free pool too much. Um, because, I'm, like I said, I'm pretty good at finding matchups later in the season. So as long as I keep winning both weeks, I can, I can adjust my strategies accordingly. And it'll give me more flexibility to think about matchups as they kind of relate to each other. So, yeah, again, in case you don't know about survival football, every, every uh, week you pick a team and they win, you move on to the next week, but you're not allowed to pick the previous team. So I can't pick the, I can't pick the Patriots moving forward, and if the Ravens win this week, I can't pick them moving forward. So, I mean, that's pretty much it, guys. Um, I got my parting words, which is, anyone who knows this podcast, I just talk for like five, ten minutes about nonsense. So, parting words. You guys like that transition? Um... Yeah, I, I, like I said, I'm very excited. I don't know if I sound like I'm, like, talking super fast or not. But I like doing these football picks. I love watching NFL. And, uh, you know, I don't know. It's one of the few things that I'm trying to work on with more work-life balance, I guess. I, I don't know if I talked about that previously in the podcast. But, like, my version of work-life balance changes a lot. And uh, the podcast itself has kind of helped with that balance. Like, I'm able to talk out loud for, like, an hour a week whenever I'm able to record and there's a lot to talk about if there is you know there's things that are interesting going on but uh you know I I want to talk about different subjects I always say that but I haven't gotten around to doing it like I have a list of episodes Um, but if you like the podcast itself or if you like the pics or anything um, related to it you know just feel free to send me an email um, at Jewish podcast sorry Podcast at gmail.com or add me on Twitter. Um, I know I'm not using Twitter too much, and honestly, uh, me and social media aren't really the best of friends, to be honest with you. I'd rather I'd rather just keep things as me just posting once in a while if you guys like the content or you like the pics or whatever. Or whatever. Spread the word. Um, don't try to hype the show up too much. I, I like to have a certain bar, like a lowish bar uh, of the show, and and I, you know, I'm doing the show to the point where I can just hop on, record, and then quickly edit, render, and get everything out the door within a couple hours. And as much as I would like to have more time to spend on the podcast, um, you know, I have, I have other things I want to focus on. And the podcast is kind of, like I said, the big thing that helps keep me uh, in line. In regards to talking more about like sleeping and dreams, I know it's a sleep and relaxation podcast, but it's more emphasized on helping you fall asleep than talking about sleep. Though I'm very interested in the subject of sleep, so much so that I bought the book of Lucid Dreaming. Uh, I talked about it previously in an episode uh, several months back, and uh, I didn't really give it its fair shake. And I want to say I half-assed it because I kind of looked at the synopsis, looked at like kind of the main points of it, um, but I never took it 100% seriously because I think there was just too much going on in my head, and now. Um, now that I'm kind of just more focused on what I'm doing day to day, or at least I would like to think I am, uh, I've been able to spend a little bit more time reading that. I've been trying to lucid dream and have more vivid dreams uh, once in a while. And I'm trying to take that more seriously. I've talked about this before. Um, I didn't know it was a thing, but it was just my... <laughs> Um, I, I just figured it made sense. Like, if I'm able to lucid dream and have vivid dreams and remember things, I can actually decide to, like, work or to be productive or study or, you know, do whatever I want. Like, be more productive or figure things out. Um, 
I'm someone who loves to talk and like I like to talk about ideas, get those things out the door, solve problems. All I find this stuff really interesting, and I think dreaming is just another aspect of allowing that to happen. And and like even to be to recharge, you can still lose a dream and recharge your brain all while experiencing like the sleeping world, I guess. So that's kind of my take on it. And I started reading this book and it actually turns out that's what the, a lot of the practical application was. So um, like I said, I don't feel like I'm off the mark with a lot of my logic these days, uh, the more and more I'm realizing it. Um, it's kind of freaky in a sense, because a lot of the stuff that I kind of thought about as a kid and growing up that I kind of just was either shown for or kind of just let kind of go away is kind of resurfacing now like 20 years later. Um, maybe I just wasn't paying attention prior, or maybe I just needed to stick to my guns more. And, uh, I don't know, I, I find those to be, like, learning experiences, so, um, but, you know, reading that, I read the first chapter of the Lucid Dreaming book. I've been taking, um, soul drops, too, and I don't want to give the, jur the, the jury out on that. I might have an episode dedicated to that, um, because I'm trying, I try three flavors, not three flavors, three types, like soul, moon, and cosmos, and soul is to help you kind of recharge in the morning, moon is to help you relax in the evening, and then the cosmos is to help for creativity and lucid dreaming, which is a big one for me. And since I've been taking it, um, it's been about two weeks now, I'd say the soul works pretty well in getting me up and like, focused in the morning. Um, and kind of go, kind of rise throughout the day. Uh, the loon, eh, it's been like 50-50. Some days it helps me calm down. Some days it's just I don't feel anything. Maybe I'm already calm. Um, and these are things that you kind of take over time. They're not supposed to be like you take it once and it, you're automatically fixed. It's like it's a it's a habitual thing that helps you go and grow. Um, the cosmos, I will say, it's been a relatively good hit. Um, actually, a pretty good hit. I'd say about day one and two, I kind of had dreams that were vivid-ish, but I couldn't recall, like, I kind of recall parts of it, and then, um, day three, nothing, day four, kind of, day five, nothing, um, day six through, like, eight, uh, I think I, I think I, I think I smoked cannabis, um, during those days, so it's been, uh, a lot tougher to gauge, because I, I, it's a lot harder for me to dream if I smoke cannabis before I sleep, it helps me sleep, but it doesn't help me dream. So, um, and then this last week, I've just been trying to be more active and aware in those dreams. Like, I feel like the dreams are becoming a little bit more vivid. Um, I think it helps me recognize the vividness in dreams. So I'm noticing that's been improved. And then last night, this was a bit of a big, big uh, breakthrough. Um, took you know, had the Cosmos, took that tincture, um, took like one melatonin just to, you know, get whatever edge off and always sleep. And then I read the first chapter of the Lucid Dreaming book. And I've seen and heard people say, like, even after the first chapter, they've been able to lucid dream. And I'm going to say, I it was successful. Now, it wasn't to the success that I'm like, yes, I'm a master at it. No, no, no. It was, I don't know what, but part of the whole thing was uh, the exercise you do in chapter one is to be acutely aware of what you're doing and then, like, change like your mind, like that's all changing the mindset, but like you, you do the exercise and then you repeat it, but you say it to yourself. It's like saying, I am, like I feel, like I, you know, I feel this chair, it's cold and it's smooth. And then you, and then you say like, I hear, you know, rubbing, but you're actively like affirming to yourself that what, that you're kind of in the, in the 
now, I guess. Like, you're you're taking it all in. I guess that was a big thing. And then I started reading the second chapter, but I'm like, okay, I'm gonna go to sleep. So, uh, I did that. And then I had a dream. Now, I don't know the specific details, but I do remember the point where it became lucid. And that was when my wife, I was in the basement, and my wife told me, hey, like, the water's leaking, can you uh, go up and fix it? And I'm like, uh, okay, yeah, uh, you know, I, I do things around the house. You know, I want to be handyman, of course. <laughs> I try to be. Um, and I start heading upstairs, and then I notice, like, the pipes as I'm walking are just dripping more and more. And it's not just one area, it's just, like, the whole thing. And I'm like, wait a minute, I'm like, what the heck? I'm like... And I'm like, man, this is terrible. Like, it's just, it's gonna be a big mess. And then, I, and then it, and then it hit me. I'm like, wait a minute. I'm like, this is not, this is not real. Like, I'm like, how does this even happen? And then I'm like, wait a minute. I'm gonna see if I can kind of get out of here. And then I kind of suck myself to the floor. And I'm like, whoa. And I'm like, okay, well, maybe I can try to like lift myself up and fly. So I kind of like started floating up to like the ceiling of the basement. And I'm like, oh snaps. And everything was very vivid, like from the door. Like, not from the door, but from, like, the wood, like, support beams, uh, all the way to seeing, like, the cable wires. And, and I'm like, holy crap. And then I got so hype about it, I woke up. And, <laughs> and I'm like, damn. I'm like, dang it. I was like, that was 20 seconds, like, right there. And that was it. Um, and then I tried going back to sleep, and I think I had something like that where... Um, I think something else was going on, but then I remember seeing, like, water dripping again. And that's when I kind of put two and two together for, like, the lucid dream, and then I, uh, I couldn't do too much because I, maybe it was a lighter part, but I, I think I got too excited. And then I woke up again. So I looked at my Fitbit, and it showed different, um, levels of REM sleep kind of after, like, 4 a.m., and that's when all the, the dreams started happening, so... So it's there, but the, the consistency of it isn't. So I think there's like a lot, of, I think I'm still getting way too excited and I need to continue reading that book to have a better groundwork. I know I get too excited, I, I try something and it works and then I don't bother reading, finishing it. Uh, that's actually a terrible habit and I'm working on fixing that. And this book, I'm gonna do my damn best to fix that because uh, yes, I have, there's so much finite time now. Uh, and I'd rather, if I'm sleeping, I want to see if I can utilize that time as well. So, uh, I thought that was pretty cool, guys. And, yeah. Uh, so I'm going to keep reading that book, and I might just talk more about, like, the dreams, if I'm able to have more lucid dreams. I just thought that was an insane, like, breakthrough. I've only had, like, two or three lucid dreams in my life. Um, and they were all about, like, 10, 12 years apart. And this is the first one that I've had since I was 24, and I'm turning 35 um, tomorrow, so that's spooky. Um, so yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, again, even though it was 20 seconds, it, uh, yeah, it was, it was silly and nutty, but it was, it was pretty cool. Um, hopefully that, hopefully I can develop an ability or more skill sets to do that. Uh, you know, I, I gotta believe in myself, I gotta believe the intent, um, and you know, hopefully that'll uh, you know, snowball into something else. I mean, I have to hope. You know, I, you know, all the things I try to do are try to be intentional. And lucid dreaming is the intent to, you know, focus more on like self self improvement, um, exploration. I guess. And who knows? It's just uh, it's just it's just discovering new things. And I don't know. That's what gets me jazzed up. So 
But you guys have it. Hopefully, uh, this episode was fruitful for you, and I don't. Hopefully, I'm able to help you pad your wallets. Uh, again, I am only telling you the results of the picks I make, and I'm not going to tell you all these picks are good. I'm just telling you my thoughts. So, um, hopefully, they pan out. And I'm very fortunate that I ended up being 5-0-1 the first week with my spreads. I'm no longer doing the over-unders, of course, for obvious reasons. Um, but hopefully I can keep this going. Um, maybe, who knows, three or four months from now, I could be talking week 15 and 16 of the, of the pools, and it would be really crazy. Um, we'll see. Uh, the season's got a long ways to go. Who knows? Um, but I'm excited for football in general. The league is in great shape. Um, I know... The empty stadiums are kind of weirdish, and the sound noise is whatever, but I don't know. I, I kind of like that vibe still. Um, anyways, you guys take care and dream easy.